0: Claim this discount by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join PhotographyCourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with family and children photographer Emily Subio. Emily is a masterful editor, and she also started out photography without knowing anything about her camera, and she quickly turned that into an amazing and successful business. So we talk a lot about that in this episode, and we also dive into editing tricks, how to manage a business, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at PhotographyCourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code greatbigphotographyworld to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net/join and use the code greatbigphotographyworld without any spaces to claim your discount. Hello everyone. My name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with wedding photographer and artist Jay Rowden. Jay is an incredible wedding photographer. He's been taking photographs for over 13 years, and he also has a bunch of other portfolios that I'm sure will impress you. He created a technique called 21st century photography, which we'll dive into in this episode. We'll also talk about his beginnings, how to handle weddings as a photographer, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Jay. Welcome to Great Make Photography World podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Hi there, Ty. So lovely to hear from you. Thanks so much for inviting me onto your brilliant podcast. My name is Jay Rowden. I live in London with my wife, Sam, and our three kids. I have a real passion for the arts. I always have done. I particularly love European cinema, but I'm also hugely, uh, have a huge appreciation for 19th and 20th century portrait painters. I also love fashion and I'm a big fan of design. For the last 13 years, I've been a full-time professional photographer and in that time mainly specialised in wedding photography although I've also shot some fashion work and continue to shoot some fashion work, occasionally portraits and the occasional sort of corporate gig. I'm continually searching for new ways in which my photography can help bring a story to life. I guess that's what defines me as a photographer.
0: That's really beautiful. And so you mainly specialised in wedding photography for a long time. How did you get into photography in the first place?
1: Well, wow, that's an interesting question. I've worn so many hats over the years. I've uh, reinvented myself numerous times. I was in my late, well, maybe mid to late 30s, and we'd had three children. And I just fancied the idea of learning more about photography. So I did an evening course at Central St. Martins, which is a famous art college in London and that is how it all started those for me but it was off the back of that that I thought there could be this could be an opportunity to make make a career out of it although I had no idea that I would end up being as successful as I have been
0: so interesting that you said that you have reinvented yourself many times usually as people this is something you can relate to very much and I'm sure the listeners can as well you feel as though when you choose a certain path, you have to stick to it no matter what. Mm. If you go to another path, if you change your course, then you're a failure or you are kind of messy as a person. But I don't think that's true. I think we as people always have the potential to change. And that's mm. a really wonderful thing. And there's no age limit either.
1: No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm now in my 50s and you know, I'm in the process of reinventing myself again and it's just continual, I think. Well, especially, I think, within within the creative arts, you know, there are no rules now. And age is certainly isn't a factor, not anymore.
0: Absolutely. Isn't that such a privilege in today's world where we can just start over at any time and there's so many possibilities, especially with the internet? It's just amazing. I'm always in awe of that.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: One of your latest reinventions, I would say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is your new technique, your new artistic way of expressing yourself, which is 21st century photography, abstract expressionist technique that captures the essence of your models. I think it's absolutely amazing. And you mentioned earlier that you are very interested in paintings and I can see that influence in those 21st century images. Uh, What led to the creation of this technique?
1: Yeah, it was a sort of happy accident, really. I sort of created this new brand, which I've called Rowden Art, because I I needed to differentiate from being Jay Rowden. And, yeah, I guess it's where yeah, I'm focusing on what what I'm calling 21st century photography as a genre of portraiture. Because, you know, for me, it was just really important. To keep moving, improving, trying new things, experimenting with the camera, you know, trying to push the boundaries of what's possible with a camera and a lens and some light. I, I guess it evolved over um, a few years, taking the best from all the arts, especially people like Francis Bacon, Auerbach, Picasso, Freud, Goya. I also have really loved the bleakness of Hopper, and I I wondered if there was a way to try and You know, experiment and bring some of these elements into my photography. So, I guess that's how it's sort of culminated in me creating work, which is I like to think is photography as art rather than fine art photography, you know, as a medium. So, yeah, I'm humbled that you picked up on that and thanks so much. But I guess, yeah, my goal is just to try and create photos that are painterly. And the challenge for me now is how I can introduce some of these elements to my other work, including my weddings. You know, I'm constantly pushing and trying to bring something new, you know, a fresh perspective to my work. Especially within the wedding industry, it's really important to have a point of difference. It's a very super competitive genre, um, but you have to do it in a way which doesn't alienate or put off potential clients. I think it's a, it's good to stand for something and so whether that's the you know the 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 portraiture the wedding or the 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 wedding photography because there's a chance there's otherwise and everything just ends up looking exactly the same everyone's copying each other so you know it's really important I think to try and stand out
0: so your 21st century images they affect your wedding photography and vice versa and I think as photographers regardless of what we pursue those things will somehow end up affecting other areas of our lives, and yeah. that's an amazing thing, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely. I just suddenly realised I didn't really answer your your previous question properly. But so, how it all started was when I had I was really busy with weddings, and then I had this fine art portrait commission come in from a friend of a friend um, as a client, and and I'd shot this beautiful picture of this woman. And I wasn't really happy with the way I'd lit the background. So there I was in post, you know, messing around in Photoshop, seeing if I could try and fix this background. You know, I know Photoshop, but I'm not an an expert by any means. I'd I'd rather not use Photoshop at all. But I was experimenting with motion blur to see how I could improve on it. And and just stumbled across this look that I really loved and then I just suddenly thought I wonder if I can create this look in camera rather than cheating it in post so that was how it was born but the actual the process of creating these this portraiture this this sort of painterly look is involves using continuous lighting so I'm not interested in so much in the strobe lighting so I'll be using, you know, I'm really, I'm so out of my depth. I'm really experimenting with things like torches, normal household lighting. I'll be using the modeling light from my strobe instead of using it as a flash. And when I shoot these, I'm I'm shooting more and more of them now. They tend to be in a home setting. So it would be clients would either come round here and be in our front room. Or they would be at their house in their, you know, in a very small space. And the idea is that it's it's just more intimate. It's a more relaxed environment instead of a cold, unfamiliar studio space. And I think it's just, it's really liberating because not everyone, you know, especially for aspiring portrait photographers out there, you know, you think it it costs hundreds and hundreds to hire a studio space. You don't need it. You can shoot anywhere just have put a curtain up or have some cheap background and it's just what you do with that space then anyway that's that is how i'm able to capture the essence of the individual you know in a in in a way which is sort of painterly and and artful
0: that's amazing i love that you don't limit yourself and you're right sometimes we feel limited by equipment or by studio laying whatever it is we feel like we need to be in a certain space to take certain kind of images and that's not true you can definitely break the rules as you do very beautifully
1: oh thank you yeah it's really interesting because i really feel this 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 idea of comparing and you know i talk about this on my instagram actually about um like comparison just being so dangerous and you see it a lot with people that you follow and they bought a new camera or a new lens, and they'll be showing off. I mean, obviously they're excited because they've just bought some fancy new camera. Um, but I think you know, there's there's a quote which I I absolutely live by, which is by Theodore Roosevelt, and it's "Do what you can with what you have, where you are." And I really, really believe that you don't need to invest in new gear and have the latest most expensive equipment, because whatever you have in your hand, you can take beautiful pictures with, you know, and great. If money's no objects and you, you've you got uh, loads of cash, then by all means, buy the new gear. You don't, you really, really don't need it. You know, I've got a cupboard filled with cameras, and yet the, the photos, these fine art pictures that I'm taking, I'm using like a Canon 5D Mark III or a 5D four. and what like I'll be using like a 50mm prime or an 85 prime. You know, these are this is really old gear, you know, and it's absolutely battered because I've been shooting hundreds of weddings. But it's what it's what I do with that camera and what I do with that lens. So anyway, that's why I, I just wanted to mention that.
0: That is absolutely right. And I remember when I first got into photography, I had a smartphone camera. I didn't have a proper camera. And I remember feeling very discouraged when I started to compare myself to other people. Because before I started to compare myself, I Mm. felt limitless. I felt that I could do anything. I was so invincible. Yeah, I'll do anything with this camera. And then I saw the cameras that others had and I saw the price tags and I freaked out. So comparison is definitely something that gets in the way of many photographers And it's a lot to just focus on what you're doing and to believe that you'll be able to create something amazing with what you have.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge believer in that. And um, I think now so more than ever, there's just there's such huge pressure to be investing in the latest equipment. And it's totally unnecessary. You know, when you look back at, at the most amazing photographers of the 20th century, they were using really beaten up old cameras, you know, 35 mil cameras. And nothing, you know, it's, they were were not necessarily uh, expensive cameras, but look at the, what they were able to produce. You know, I really believe, I believe in that hundred percent.
0: Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld. For your 21st century images, uh, you often use the motion blur technique. And that was something you mentioned earlier where you first discovered it in Photoshop. And then you wanted to create that during your shoots as well. What is your process like for creating motion blur during your shoots?
1: Mm, I do. I love motion blur. And it's, it's a, I guess, it's a fine line between focusing manually. And so basically the f-stop will be quite high. I'll be shooting at maybe f5.6 or even higher. And then I would be shooting at maybe, I, I don't know, like, half a second or sometimes even a second and so there would be some movement I do I love this idea of motion blur but then I've also been I'm experimenting I'm still not you know 100% sure on how to create this defined look so I'd also love you because you can create a similar look by having grain so pushing the iso but then if you're going to push the ISO, then you're allowing more light into the camera. So, yeah, there's definitely there is some motion blur, but it's it's a very, very small amount.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I like that you break the rules in a way. You don't think too much about the actual rules of photography, especially in this personal portfolio of viewers with these 21st century images. There's no rules. You're just doing what you want to do. And the more you experiment, the more ideas you come up with, and the more you're able to develop your style. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Well, I guess what I will say is there's a very, very low success rate. You know, I'm probably shooting at a ratio. This is why I I can't imagine what it would be like shooting with film. You know, I've got a cupboard filled with film cameras. I couldn't imagine shooting this with film because the the success rate is so low you know I've got very high standards and I would say maybe only one in 40 of these shots are right you know 39 of them would just be deleted because they're not they they haven't quite produced the right look you know that I'm that I'm hoping to achieve so sometimes it's even higher. You know, I I did a, a portrait shoot recently where I took something like 700 images and there are only three that I was happy with. So it's a very, very low ratio hit of hit rates. Mm, that
0: uh, sounds a lot like me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, it's a good job. It's not like that for my wedding work. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when you're working with clients who are you know, wedding clients, for example, you're thinking more about their special day and you're thinking about it from your perspective. But if it's your own personal work, you're much pickier. I think a lot of people can relate to this. I'm definitely I like this as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's perfectionism is dangerous, isn't it?
0: It is. It is a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a never-ending issue, but I'm sure it's something we can overcome with patience and Absolutely. self-compassion, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And so you have such a diverse portfolio. You have these images, and then you have wedding photographs. You also take fashion photos, photos of people. What advice would you give to photographers who specialize in multiple genres?
1: Mm, yeah, this is a really good question. The thing is, I photographed across a range of different genres over the years, but and now I'm not sure if this if this is going to properly answer your question but my mainstay my bread and butter has always been my wedding work. You know, I chose to focus on on the wedding work because I really love people and I love the storytelling and I seem to thrive in that high pressure environment. You know like a wedding is is like a once in a lifetime opportunity to have all the the special people under one roof and I just I love that responsibility of being able to capture this special day. You know, it's a real privilege. Reshoots are just not possible. There are no second chances. You've got to get it right. And I, I really, I, I thrive on that. You know, I could bore you endlessly um, for reasons why I love photographing weddings. But I guess, you know, that doesn't really answer your question about working across multiple genres. I personally, and rightly or wrongly, um, have always seen the value in specialism, specializing in one thing and there's a self-development guru called Earl Nightingale and um, an American guy and he said you have to specialize. you know the most successful people always specialize in one thing and I think there is there's a real danger that if you cast your creative net too wide, you end up spreading yourself too thinly. And you end up being the jack of all trades and the master of none. And like the, the best, the most famous photographers around the world, they specialize in one thing. You know, Annie Leibovitz, Martin Parr, Richard Avedon, Irving Penn, Saul Leiter, Gregory Crudson, I could go on. They have a defined look. They know what they stand for. And they specialize primarily in one thing. and i am a huge believer in that and but there are obviously you're going to speak to some photographers who don't agree with that but that's what i think so i would say the the weddings tend to account for 95% of my income with the other 5% coming from the other stuff at the moment this is for 2022 and 2023 but things may well change in the future
0: that's very cool I like that you specialize in one thing, but you also give yourself room to experiment with other things. And fashion and portraiture and then the 21st century images as well, they are still connected in some ways because your main subjects are people. So able to specialize in portrait photography as a whole, and then you can basically branch out and try different things, different subgenres within that. So it's very wise to have that one source of income that you're confident in, and then also give yourself space to improve your creativity in your free time
1: yeah it does actually you know it does help to keep you fresh when like doing new stuff you know like doing the the odd fashion shoot or doing you know an important portrait shoot for for a company you know that how it is it all adds doesn't it so you know it's there's there's no question that it's really important but it's just uh, for, for me specializing one thing that has been the cornerstone of my business for the last 13 years is just focusing on one thing and then doing, topping up my creativity with other stuff. If it lands in my lap, But I've never actively sought to do other kinds of work. It's just sort of landed in my lap.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Wedding photography, you mentioned earlier that it's a high pressure environment, which for me, I would never be able to thrive in that environment. So I'm always... And all photographers who are able to create beautiful images on such special days and oh. do that wonderfully. Yeah, I was looking through your wedding portfolio and I noticed a combination of big pictures, like as in something that is like a wide view, special moments, Yeah. also small details. And yeah. it seems like you're not stressed at all during your shoots. It's a very stress-free environment because you take the time to focus yeah. on different things. So what advice would you give to aspiring wedding photographers who want to have a potentially stress-free shooting experience?
1: Yeah, I mean this this is I think this is a really really big question and this is something that comes up, you know, so many people come up to me at a wedding and they'll say, "Oh, you must find it so stressful." And and I don't find it stressful. And funny enough, I do get stressed about other stuff, but I've never get stressed on the day of the wedding and I think the secret is being organized. You have to be organized. There's no way you could turn up to a wedding as a photographer and wing it and just sort of fingers crossed and hope for the best. You've got to be really organized. So when it comes to like when a client first books me, then there's paperwork that to be filled in. This is really sort of boring stuff that I'm talking about here, but this all helps for having a stress-free shooting experience on the day of the wedding. You know, I am constantly have the communication channels open. I'm talking to them. You know, occasionally you'll have a a bride who's sort of very worried about stuff. So it's really important to keep uh, the communication channels open with her. You know, like a few days before the wedding, we'll talk about the timings. We'll have like 15 minutes talking about every single element of the day especially if it involves me. So that is that's, that is the absolute key. There's other things that I could talk about, like, you know, logistics, you know, moving around, because quite often the bride and the groom are getting ready in different places and really need to know how long it's going to take me to get between the various places. You know, what's the parking situation like at the church where they're getting married, that kind of stuff. Another thing that helps with being stress-free is making sure I'm organised in terms of equipment. And this is like so obvious, I'm embarrassed to mention it, but you absolutely need to have two camera bodies as a minimum. And both those camera bodies have to have twin card slots. Because if one of your CF cards fails, you're in trouble. And that's happened to me, and I never want it to happen again. You've got to have backup for, for twin card slots. You need to have all your batteries fully charged. This is so obvious. So I am, you know, I realize I'm I am stating the absolute obvious here, but you need to have two backup batteries for both your camera bodies. And then you need to have, make sure your cards are fully formatted before you start shooting. You know, it, it didn't happen. To, it hasn't happened to me, but a friend of mine started shooting a wedding with a brand new CF card and it. she didn't have a backup. And she hadn't formatted the card. And she lost all the photos, which is just unforgivable for a wedding. So you need to be organized. That's, that is the
0: key. Yeah, you said that it's obvious. But somebody like me who is not familiar with wedding photography, to me, it's not obvious at all. Oh, yeah, I not... really appreciate these tips because I think somebody who's new to this might just want to focus on the shoot itself and what to do during the shoot, which is equally important. But yep. what you do beforehand is just as important. And these small, seemingly insignificant preparations can make a significant difference yeah. during the shoot and hopefully help you avoid a lot of stress. I feel really bad for your friend.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, she was devastated, as you can imagine. I mean, obviously, she had she had a second body, so she had like half the wedding covered. So when you're working with two bodies at a wedding, one will be the the wide shot, and then the other one is more like the... Would be the the eighty five, mil. So going for the more long shots. So she, I can't remember which one, but obviously, like half the wedding wasn't covered, so that wasn't ideal.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So during your shoots, is it just you taking the photographs, or do you have other people that you work with?
1: For the bigger weddings, I mean, I've I've shot weddings where you've got maybe three, four, five hundred guests. Then I would have a second shooter. But ninety-five percent of the time, it's just me. I prefer work on my own. Actually, because when there's two people with cameras, then it suddenly becomes a bit more obvious. Whereas when I'm on my own, I can sort of fade into the background and be in the shadows and capturing stuff, you know, discreetly. But suddenly, if you've got two people stood up with cameras, then people become a bit more self-conscious. So I, whereas. At a really big event with 400 people, they don't really notice when there's two photographers.
0: Yeah, I understand that. It's less intimidating when it's just one person and one person who knows how to be discreet like you. And then it's just not as intimidating, definitely. No. Weddings sometimes last for a very long time, way until it's dark. And then you have to start using flash. You, you have a few flash photographs in your portfolio that look very well lit and nice yeah what should photographers be mindful of when using flash during their shoots
1: yeah I have a bit of an aversion to flash I must admit I mean obviously for the most part I'll be shooting with available light all day but then when it gets to when there's obviously there's no available left Uh, light left and it's pitch black then I would have to get the flash out and I would also I just automatically get the flash out for the first dance because the DJ tends to have laser lights which causes all kinds of issues with skin tones and stuff so um flash can definitely counteract that yeah but the reason why I'm, I'm not massively keen on flash is because it then draws attention to myself and you know the idea is I'm trying to blend in So, you know, if it is doing the exact opposite by, you know, with the flash going off every few seconds is drawing attention to myself, which I I don't don't like. But having said that, like come the evening shots, not everyone, but most people are drunk and they kind of they're less conscious anyway. Yeah, but my flash settings, are I, I tend to have like quite a low shutter speed and tend to do some dragging. And so it, they're a bit more atmospheric. There's it, it more sort of um, ambience. The pictures tend to be a bit warmer and more interesting, more colourful.
0: Yeah, ambience is very important in flash photography because if you just take a simple flash photo that you see most people taking when they're absolute beginners, then it's just a standard flash photo. There's really nothing in it. So it's yeah. really important to add some depth to it with the help of these movements, as you just mentioned.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah
0: you've been through so much as a photographer, you've transitioned from different genres to others, you've reinvented yourself. If you could go back and give yourself one piece of photography advice, what would it be?
1: Oh, blimey. I would just say the best advice I would give myself would be to just make lots and lots and lots of pictures. Ansel Adams, the great landscape photographer said, 12 significant photographs in any one year is a good crop. Photography is a numbers game. You've got to take a lot of photos, you know, to get something really, truly amazing. So the more you take, the more likely it is that you're going to create a piece of magic. So that would be, I guess, my, my advice to, if I was going to give it back to myself, to to take more photos, even though I've taken millions of photos over the years, you know, I just don't, you can't take enough of them. I mean, and I'm discovering that with my, with my um, 21st century photography. You know, I'm, I'm experimenting, I'm making mistakes, I'm failing. You know, it's, it sounds really counterintuitive, but you just need to keep failing and keep making mistakes and fail better. It's the only way that you're going to learn more about your craft is by trying new stuff, making mistakes. You know, you have to find your groove. All great artists do this. You know, when when you look back at at Picasso's early work, I know this is a photography podcast, but Picasso's early work wasn't great. Um, And in fact, you know, he, even his more contemporary stuff, you know, there was a lot, a lot of average work that he produced, but he's only remembered by the 10% of the, the work which is truly you know groundbreaking you know that he was creating every single day he was making mistakes he couldn't care less because he just wanted to experiment and he he loved failing he didn't he really did not care
0: yeah and i love that you mentioned him because that is true dedication and you don't think so much about the journey you just focus on the process of creating something and you don't have any expectations for yourself of course It's important to have standards, especially working with clients. Yeah, in your experimental work, it's nice to just allow yourself room to just do whatever and to enjoy it.
1: It's so liberating, actually, and the the is such a an amazing feeling if you can just kind of surrender um, to what is and just enjoy the process of experimenting. It is. It makes you feel alive. You know that it's about flow i don't know if you know anything about the flow states but when you're when you're doing something that you love and you just get lost in the moment and we've all been there where you're just doing something that you really really love and suddenly you've lost like two hours of your day doing something that you love and you know that if you can get to a place where you're in a flow state then you're you're much more likely to produce something that's really interesting
0: I think the older we get, the harder it is to get into that flow state, especially yeah. if we set all these rules for ourselves. Yeah. It's okay. super important to embrace that childlike curiosity that we all used to have.
1: That's so true. Yeah, definitely.
0: Jay, I have one more question for you. And that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world?
1: Wow, that's a great question. Wow. One thing. It would be to make it as an artist, you know, to elevate my photography. So it's recognised as art first and photography second. You know, photography has been kind of undervalued for such a long time, but the tide is slowly turning. And I just see more and more that photography is becoming recognised, as, especially in the stuffy world of, of art. But you know, it, there's. Um, I don't know if you know the Royal Academy here in London, which is like a really super stuffy, old fashioned art uh, gallery. And uh, there's only one Royal Academy member who works in the medium of photography, and all the rest are portrait painters. Whereas if you look at somewhere more modern, more contemporary, like the Saatchi Gallery, they are fully championing um, photography as an art form. So that That would be my my great big goal is to to make it as an artist first. That would be my my goal without question.
0: That's incredible. I have no doubt that you'll reach this goal because when I saw your work, my first impression was that you treat your art like an artist, like a painter, like somebody who really cares about the story that is being told through his work. And I was very touched by your portfolio, and that was why I reached out to you. So I'm very happy that I had the chance to speak with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me. It's been amazing to hear it and to learn from you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Taya. It's so lovely to to meet with you, and thanks so much for inviting me once again. I've loved talking
0: with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. Take care. I really enjoyed speaking with Jay because he's such an open Person, and he's an amazing artist. I love that he has different portfolios but he still specializes in one thing as a career. I hope that you learned something new from him. I personally love his 21st century images. I got a lot of inspiration from them so make sure to check out his portfolio if you need a nice boost of motivation and creative inspiration. If you have any questions for Jay or if you just want to join the conversation and talk about our podcast episodes with us, make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. See you next week. Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every sub forum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day, which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest-rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.